you tuned into localjobnetwork.com radio and you're listening to the LGN Radio Quad where our hosts gather to share their thoughts, ideas, and perspectives on all topics employment related. I'm Jacqueline Peterson and joining me in today's quad is Lynn Molitor. Hi everyone. Jamie Goble. Hi. And Laura McBain. Hello everybody. So never one to disappoint, we have another variety of topics, which is just great. And if you guys don't mind, I'd like to kind of kick us off today with the first topic. I don't mind. Okay, good. Not at all. (laughs) So time management, I know we've occasionally talked about this in other uh, quads before, um, but we can always use a refresher. And we actually had a a training course on it recently that we had brought someone on site to do a training course for um, some of the employees here, and I actually attended. And I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on what is the one trick that you personally use to help with time management, just one, like your go-to thing that you use. And one that I can say that I use is for my time management and something that they reinforce in this training session is that I do block out time in my calendar to work on tasks. And the purpose for that is for me to see what is it that I need to get accomplished based on priorities and whatnot and things like that. So that is something that I actually do and it was reinforced is to block time off to actually finish things that need to be done. I'll jump in, Jacqueline. Uh, To piggyback off of that, I've taken a number of different time management courses as well, and that's one of the tricks I've been doing for years. Um, One thing I do as kind of a refinement of that, though, is I found that I was blocking things off too far in advance, and then things change and priorities shift. So what I do is I do block reoccurring things in my calendar, which is helpful, but then every single day I take a list, I print it off, and I take a look at my number one priorities for that day that are in addition to those and then see if I need to modify or switch anything. And that helps me to really stay true to my calendar. And, and prioritize. Exactly. That's good. I think that blocking off a calendar, I think you should always do that. But I think there's certain positions where you have to be ready at the drop of a hat to switch your whole focus. Mm-hmm. And especially being in HR, because sometimes you don't know what's going to happen during the day. You know, Is there going to be something that you're going to have to take care of that's going to trump everything else on your calendar for the morning. And so you have to be able to shift that around somewhat. And so you need to learn to kind of like what Jamie was saying, you you look at it again. And then after, you know, whatever has occurred has occurred, you have to shift things around a little bit and, and reprioritize sometimes multiple times throughout the day, which can be challenging, I think. I think uh, one of the things that I try and do is I try and be realistic in um, my estimating and the amount of time that I plan for an activity. I think um, all of us tend to think, oh, this shouldn't take me very long. Yeah. Um, this will be take me five minutes. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like to um, estimate in increments of 15, but really I prefer 30 minutes. Um, I don't think anyone minds um, finishing something early or getting out of a meeting early, but it's Mm -hmm. hard when you need extra time for a meeting or if something runs over. People don't have the the extra time that way. So I tend to like to be very realistic in my planning, and I encourage my coworkers or my team members to kind of think that way too. Because sometimes you can think, well, there's no way this is going to take more than 30 minutes. And then all of a sudden you're sitting in a meeting and it's like you're watching the clock and it's like, oh, man, I should have scheduled this for an hour. (laughs) I should have went with my gut. You know what? It's funny that you say that because in the class, that's Mm -hmm. what one of the instructors said, that the majority of people 
underestimate mm-hmm. underestimate how much time it's actually going to take to complete a yeah. task or oh, something. Yeah. And um, I think that's a good tip. You know, if you can block 30 minutes and, and it, you know, Dolores, mm-hmm. it's a task. So, you know, you might have to bump it. So move it if right, it's not right. a meeting, if it's just time that you, you need to get uh, to work on something. Um, but no, that's a really good tip. And I was actually surprised that she had mentioned that, that the majority of people are, are constantly underestimating, which mm-hmm. is why they're backlogged. Yeah. It's because they're not getting a realistic time on what it's going to take. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that it is important I, uh, that it was brought up earlier, which is those back-to-back meetings, those two can also kind of creep mm-hmm. into the next meeting and then you're just... Right. Yeah. So You're backed up for the whole day. And then you're not impacting yourself. You're impacting a lot of other coworkers. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a good point, Lynn, too. Uh, That would be a little bit less stressful. I I think I'm an underestimator Mm -hmm. myself. So I'm going to take that back. (laughs) Good luck. So on a similar note, Lynn, you had a topic that kind of ties nicely into this one. Yeah, so I was just wondering um, what your different tips may be for how to manage your calendars. I know me personally, I tend to um, Monday morning, I'll, uh, you know, come in all fresh and invigorated. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. (laughs) I'll slog in. (laughs) And uh, the first thing I always like to do is um, check uh, my calendar for every day of the week. Um, I have a few meetings every other week that I actually am responsible for creating the agendas mm. for, as Jacqueline and Laura and Jamie are too. all aware. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I have to have a task there to work on the agenda, and that's a Thursday meeting. You know, so I'm always looking ahead at my whole week, planning out what needs to be done, um, when I need to do prep work. And obviously, a calendar is very fluid. Mm-hmm. So then I like to, at the end of the day, look at then the next morning. It's like, okay, what um, what do I have to be prepared for? And sometimes it kind of backfires on me. I know th- the reason I brought this up was I was leaving for the end of the day last week and I looked at the next day and I'm like, oh, I need to be ready for something first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, sometimes you know, priorities switch, like Laura had mentioned, and the hour you have in the morning, you may not end up having when you walk in. So, you know, (laughs) I know days like (laughs) that. I know. So it's like, I always try and look at, at the end of the day, I always try and look at the next day. So those are just a few things that, that I do. I was curious if you have similar or different ways to manage a calendar. I can jump in, Lynn. Um, I do similar things as well because people are booking time in my calendar. So it's not just, you know, myself, Mm -hmm. but, you know, interviews and other team meetings and things like that. So um, while I use some of the things that I mentioned for time management as far as blocking off time, I do my weekly reoccurring meetings, obviously, first. I keep those as is. Then I take a look at, you know, my key responsibilities that might not be blocked off because I do save some time for them. And then I do look daily. So I'm always looking. I usually look about two days in advance and take a look like you at upcoming meetings and uh, look at deadlines. And if anything's changed and now something else is bumped up to number one, then I switch things around. So I used to manage it more on a weekly basis. And now I know I have to do it daily. Otherwise, I wouldn't get everything done that I need to. Yeah. I I mean, I think I handle it pretty similar to what you guys are all saying. I mean, I just try to work around the items that involve other people. 
So if I've got something um, planned that, you know, I know four other people are going to be involved in, I try not to schedule something back to back to those just because I know sometimes it uh, runs into other things and right. <laughs> running a minute or two behind. So I that's try a, not to let that happen. That's a good tip. Mm-hmm. I though yeah, those back to back meetings, they they kill me. They can mm-hmm. really kill my day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do I'm very similar to that Lynn where I I will look ahead. I'm not as religious. Like I don't have like a set Monday I come in and I try and look ahead. I usually do it the night before yeah. so I know what's um, what's coming yeah. the next day. Um, and then one other thing that I always do is because in my department in communications, we do a lot of editing and proofing. So what I've started doing recently, because I have uh, two brand new um, team members, is rather than them just emailing me like, hey, can you proof this whenever you need it? Because we have so much going on. We have so many conferences, so much new stuff that we're creating <laughs> that I'm like, just book it in my calendar right away. That way oh, you know yeah. that I'm going to take the 30 minutes to get this done. And I've actually yeah, had them start idea. booking 30-minute increments. That is good. So they know when they look at my calendar if because there's different ways you can shade out your calendar to mm-hmm. know if it's like a meeting versus a – It's kind of flexible. So they know like the areas that are flexible, they can go ahead and schedule over. Just go ahead and schedule over it because that I can bump. It's not a high priority. Um, But at least they know if they need my second pair of eyes, you know, they'll look it over. They know, okay, it'll get done today. She's going to look at it. And so that's that's a new Mm -hmm. sort of thing that I've been developing. And so far it's been working out well. And even between them too. I'm like, don't just send them the email that says, hey, can you proof this? Block it on their calendar. Yeah. So, you know, it's getting done. Mm -hmm. Um, That's good. And then another thing that I do also, too, is is when I'm looking ahead in the calendar is to go ahead and cancel those meetings if you are going to be out of the office. Mm -hmm. I think that's helpful because it can if you're having those meetings with other people, they can appreciate that extra time and to know that it's there. So I just do that as kind of like a courtesy. I don't always do it, but I try to do it. (laughs) The only ones I don't like to cancel, I do like to cancel as long as I notify Mm -hmm. everyone ahead of time. The only ones I don't like to cancel are like... um, ones where there's like a large team, just so Mm -hmm. I remind myself, it's like, okay, that meeting's happening. I need to follow up with them to make sure I get the update. Oh, yeah. Sometimes, depending on who's running the meeting, you don't always get the update. Oh, yeah. Good point. I meant like if I can't, if I make the meeting. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I've been been notorious (laughs) for like going on PTO and like not canceling and (laughs) like, oh, I'm so sorry, guys. But yeah, 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 you definitely. Isn't that a nice feeling to clear the calendar and see a blank day? Yeah, (laughs) yes. So, no, those are some really great tips. Yeah. Um, But switching gears entirely, but for just as an important topic, uh, Jamie, what did you want to talk about? I had kind of a different type of topic today. I wanted to talk about feedback on developing employees, shifting them from that individual mindset to having more of an impact on influencing the other team members in the organization or the organization as a whole. I run into this a lot when um, working with the sales teams in terms of, you know, sales is very Mm -hmm. individual, goal-focused, and shifting them from that towards wanting to make an impact on growing other team members and maybe managing a team, getting involved in more projects and responsibilities to help overall. Um, And it is one of those things that's different person by person, but it is a challenge sometimes to get somebody to see the bigger picture and opportunity for themselves. So I was just curious if any of you have encountered that and if you have any good, you know, tidbits that you want to share with me. (laughs) I do agree with you, Jamie. It is challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's something that I've have experienced having been on sales for close to four years and 
and um and and you know being groomed from an account executive to a senior account executive to having your own team and then now I've totally switched departments and still having that mindset where you know you have these direct reports and you're trying to encourage them to help each other and mentor each other and it is challenging because they are thinking well I I have my own job to do and I need to do that first and and they're right that's a priority but I also think it's the mindset and how they view what they're currently doing is this a job or is this a career? Is this a career path for you? If you're going to work for our organization, it's a career path for you. I mean, there's mm-hmm. definitely different avenues you can go. But if you're looking to, you know, come in at eight, leave at five, I just want to do my job and I want to go and I don't really am not invested in helping anyone. That's a perception that this is just a job for you. And maybe that person's not the right fit for the organization. Um, but then you have those other people that you that that are open to it and really need mentoring and really are into it. So I think in that regard, you just have to really um, help them see the big picture and realize that, you know, it might take a little work on the front end and to really take this on, but the impact that it's going to give for the future of the company or the sales department or whatever department it is, is X, Y, Z, and you will benefit from that when that happens. Right. I don't know. That's sort of what I try to do. I'm, I'm constantly trying to talk to my director parts and say, yes, you're taking time on the front end, but this is the, this is the end result, and you will benefit from that by having this be available to you. Um, and that's always another reason why we are constantly cross-training people too, mm-hmm. so that you can go on PTO and not have to worry that when you come back, <laughs> your job hasn't been done for two weeks, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. I don't know. I think it, it takes a lot of um, providing rationales. I don't know. That yeah. helps. Yeah. I mean, I think you also need to keep in mind to obviously lead by example, but, you know, especially when you have a new team member come on board. And maybe you see these habits creeping in that, you know, would reflect on, you know, not only your department, but it doesn't, you know, view well for the rest of the organization too. You know, maybe like, you know, coming in late or, you know, something like that. I think you really have to nip that in the bud and, you know, get them to understand that, you know, because of the type of organization that you're in, this is not something that, you know, you need to set a good example for other people and, and continue on, you know, for that path. Yeah, that's a good point. I think the other thing, too, that managers can um, help do is kind of give their employees the big picture, mm-hmm. um, how they fit into the organization and how what the organization is doing yeah. is important for whatever industry um, they might fit into. Um, I know uh, years ago, my manager, you know, would t- and I worked at a life insurance company. But every t- every um, team that I was on, I thought I was doing the most important thing, <laughs> you know. And I could, you know, and I. I ended up believing it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like you're helping individuals. And, you know, I was on a whole different, I wasn't always working with life insurance. Sometimes I wasn't even working with the business. But I really thought I was contributing to the whole. Mm -hmm. And the leadership kind of led, they set that tone throughout the company Mm -hmm. that we were all in this together. And then um, my manager um, had tr- show trust in me and would kind of give me that one um, one mentoring and share their real life their own real life examples of how when I used to be in your shoes this is how mm-hmm. I advanced and you know I have trust that this may be a career path for you as well but 
you have to be the ones to, you know, want to pursue the path. You know, I'll help you along the way, but, you know, here's what's expected and here's, you know, some of the things that can benefit you in the long run if you choose to accept the mission. (laughs) (laughs) That's really helpful. Thank you, all of you. I think, you know, getting people to see the big picture is one of the underlying um, parts of it and making sure that they understand that there's more more out there for them in the organization. Mm -hmm. And I think with sales specifically, too, there's a bit of like, um, for lack of a better word, a little bit of selfishness that goes into that process because Mm -hmm. You have to be a little bit selfish to be in sales because you're constantly <laughs> like counting numbers and yeah. how much, you know, mm-hmm. and I think I think one of the things that's important for a you know, a salesperson specifically or consultant is, you know, how does this benefit you in the long run? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's where you get the buy-in. Right, yeah. I me never being have I've never been in sales, but no, I either. definitely appreciate them. <laughs> <laughs> so, me yeah, too. I yeah, uh, yeah, that's a mindset that Jamie and Jacqueline can <laughs> attest to a lot better than I can. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely helps. Thank you. Okay, so we saved this last topic um, because it's not necessarily a fun topic, but it is It is a part of our, rela- our reality. It's, it's part of life. Yeah. And, and Laura, what did you want to talk about? Well, yeah, it is not a fun topic. Um, it's how to fire someone. It's not, you know, being in HR, there's a lot of skills that I think that you have to be good at because you're dealing with people all the time. And one of the realities of work is that there's times when, you know, you need to cut ties with people for whatever reason. Uh, But there was an article that I read that kind of summed it up nicely, and I'll touch on that. But again, being in HR, it's kind of a people-focused position. And so I think that if an organization handles it poorly, it kind of reflects on the organization. So there's just some tips that this article gave that I thought were pretty pretty well mentioned. One of the things was don't rush in. Don't decide things in the heat of the moment. You know, take some time. Make sure it's a decision that, you know, you can live with that's going to be good for the organization. And hopefully the timing of that is good for the person involved as well. And of course, documenting, you know, especially if you have a termination that, you know, might be seen as touchy or perhaps maybe discriminatory or could possibly lead to something, making sure you have everything documented and all your ducks in a row and things like that. And, of course, when you're doing the actual termination, you want to always be professional. I've had some cases where I've sat in on terminations that haven't gone really well. Um, I've terminated a lot of people in my career myself that have gone extremely well and wind up being a very positive experience for everyone involved. But, um, you know, sometimes they don't go well. Uh, And I think during the process you need to show empathy and not sympathy one of the worst case scenarios mm. that I'll share, and I won't go into too many details because, in, and it wasn't here, of course, but uh, um, generally speaking, throughout most of my career, I've been the one that's terminated. But occasionally, I would have a supervisor that wanted to get involved. And in this one instance, the supervisor or manager, when we were letting go of this person, because they wanted to handle it, you know, that was their big thing, and they wound up, you know, dissolving into a pool of tears in front of this poor person that didn't see it coming. (laughs) And it was just such an awkward situation. And, you know, the whole time you see this train wreck coming. And, you know, you should never be in a position where the person you're terminating feels like they have to comfort the person terminating them. I know. And that's kind of what happened. And it was just an awkward, awkward situation that I had to kind of jump in and diffuse and steer it in a different direction. And, you know, it wasn't pleasant. So, you know, if 
you get the opportunity. Um, sometimes it's better to leave it to the person that has handled it the most, that knows what they're doing, that can handle it in a way that's kind to everyone involved and handle it a little bit more professionally, if, if you will. But I didn't know if you guys had had experiences with this, but I just feel it's an important topic because we need to be good at it. You know, we need to be, you know, respectful of people. And I think this is one of the ways that truly an organization should excel in. I mean, it is a unique skill set. I have to I have to admit I'm fortunate because I've never I've never had to do it. I've known people, mm-hmm. but um I know at our last organization there there was a lot of mentoring by HR with um with the manager who would have to go through this. Yeah. So, you know, like to your point, you know, don't like go rush into right. it. We um we spent a lot of time uh, preparing, you know, the manager um, for for mm-hmm. the actual, you know, meeting, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, I haven't had any experience actually, f- you know, firing someone or been fired. Um, but I do think I thought this article was actually well written, and I thought that it, um, I, th- I thought that it's probably something that if someone did need to or is listening right now and is contemplating firing someone, um, this would be something good to look at just because mm-hmm. I think you do want to make sure that you handle it professionally and you check your emotions at the door because at the end of the day, yeah. it's not about emotions. It's not about personal. Right. It just, it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And and I, well, the thing that I actually liked about the article was that it said, um, you know, it's it's not necessarily that you know it could be for a number of reasons and and one of them was cultural fit. I think that's one of the ones that I think about actually pretty often is about cultural fit, and and that's that's the hard one because if the person's doing their job but they just don't fit in, you know you have to you know you you, you sort of it sort of sticks out. And I think for our listeners out there who who um, who do a great job, it also parlays definitely into cultural fit. So definitely think about that because it does go through the manager's mind. Mm-hmm. So but I, thought it was, I thought it was a good article. I unfortunately have had experience with this <laughs> being in, in my role. Um, it being a, a sales manager, everything is very metrics and performance driven, a, a large baseline of it. So, um, you know, Laura, I thought a lot of this article was really, really good. You know, documentation I hear tons about, and that helps you to be objective in the situation. Mm-hmm. You have real live examples of what hasn't worked or um, what the issue might be. Um, so having that backing is really good. Being prepared and knowing exactly what you want to say is good too, because sometimes people will be so caught off guard that they'll kind of backpedal into different things that you might not be prepared to to speak on. So taking it back to what you'd originally intended to say, the purpose for parting ways. I think that's really important to have that clearly in your head so you don't get into Mm -hmm. those situations. And being less emotional is really, really helpful. It's helpful for both parties. It's never fun on either end of the spectrum, I I can tell you. Um, So I think, you know, like Jacqueline said, checking your emotions at the door is really, really uh, helpful. And that empathy that you mentioned, I find that that helps me as well in those situations. And I think it helps a person and identifying that, you know what, this wasn't the right fit. It's not 
you know, the right fit for everybody. You know, it's really depending on your skills and performance, et cetera. But you do have some really great qualities. That's why we hired you. And I definitely think mm-hmm. that you'll be able to go on and be successful in something that is a better fit for you. And now you have an opportunity to find that. And I think, you know, kind of ending on that yeah. note, usually in my experiences, help people to at least feel good about themselves as a person. And I think people take it so personally and and you can see why that kind of making them feel like, you know what, you were valued and and you do have some some good attributes and I'm sure you'll go on to have some other successes. Mm -hmm. I think it's important, like you said, to leave them, you know, with some options. And I've done, you know, a bit of career counseling in my day. So I like to leave people with the good things. This is, you know, maybe you've had some successes in the past. Maybe this just wasn't the right fit. But, you know, if I were you, maybe I would try something along these lines because it seems that you might be a great fit for this or, you know, and and just to give them some options before they leave as to, you know, the immediate next steps. This is, you know. That sounds good. From a functional standpoint, you want to make sure you do X, Y, Z when you leave and those kind of things. (laughs) So. Well, if I ever have to do it, I'm just going to go right to HR. (laughs) Go see HR. (laughs) I don't need to handle that. (laughs) All right. Well, we are all out of time, and we hope you were able to walk away from today's quad with some time-saving tips and how to develop employees. Otherwise, you might have to let them go. So if you would like to suggest topics for discussion on the LJN Radio Quad, send us a message to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. For Lynn Molitor, Laura McBain and Jamie Goble, I'm Jacqueline Peterson. Thanks for listening. Oh,